Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 348. My name's Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Kevin Rakestraw. Hey, Kevin. Hey. This week on the show, we'll be talking about the Safdie Brothers Uncut Gems. We'll also be going over some we're watching on the watch list, going over this week's new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. Thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to please consider reviewing us on iTunes if you get a chance. That would be incredible. Uh, a couple housekeeping bits. Uh, the, the Christmas episode of Say by the 90s is out now, so if you can, consider giving that a listen. It's pretty fun. We did a made-for-TV Christmas part two. Talked about four made-for-TV Christmas movies, and it was a blast. So be sure to check that out. We're going to be doing our top... I guess top 10. I don't know. We're just gonna, we're going to be talking about our top movies of the year on next week's show and we're going to have Ken on to to have that discussion. So very much looking forward to that, which basically means that I'm absolutely trying to cram in as much as I can here in the yeah, <laughs> the last few days of the year. So that's that's fun. Just going nuts with it. Yeah. With that, I think we can dive into our <laughs> review. Uncut Gems. This is directed by Josh and Benny Safdie. I have a synopsis here. A charismatic New York City jeweler, always on the lookout for the next big score, makes a series of high-stakes bets that could lead to the windfall of a lifetime. Kevin, now you're a pretty big fan of the Safdie brothers, I would say. I'm, I would say I'm a super fan. I'm a Safdie super Whoa. fan. Oh, boy. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. <laughs> I love me some Safety Brothers. All right, all right. So I got you. I hear you. What did you think of Uncut Gems? Ooh, this one's a tough one because this is one of those movies for me that's like a, it's a split. The split. It's a two-parter. Part of this movie is fucking insufferable, and I hate it. And the other part of this movie is pretty damn good, and I quite enjoyed it. Okay, let's start so, with let's start with the insufferable so, part. Uh, just, 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 like the first half of the goddamn movie, it's just it's fucking insufferable. It's just a bunch of people yelling all at once, all the time. And literally, like the majority of this movie is the same fucking scene over and over again, which is Adam Sandler talking to Lakeith Stanfield, and he says, "Do you have the stone?" He says, "Yeah, I got it." And then he's like, "Okay." They meet up. He's like, "Where's the stone?" And Stanfield's like, "I don't have it." He's like, oh, you motherfucker. And then that's it. KG has it. <laughs> KG's got it. Where's KG at? We need the stone. Where's the Where's the stone? Yeah. And then, there's, you know, and then there's a little, like, in-between thing. And then there's a whole other sequence of events that's exactly the same, where they do it at the weekend concert. And it's just, like, it's just that for a while. And it's just everyone yelling. And it's just it's fucking goddamn headache is what it is. It is uh, like nothing's happening, and it's just it's really irritating. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a sensory overload. My wife had a hard time dealing with mm-hmm. the chaos of this movie. I enjoyed it. I quite I actually quite enjoyed the just how kinetic and nonstop it was with the people talking over each other and just constant, just endless amounts of energy. There's ne- there's never a moment of stillness in this movie it's just going and going and going and i can totally understand why someone might find that grating uh there were times where i was just like i need i need a little little bit of a break here i just need a little break 
Yeah, and, and I get it. I get it. The, the, I think the other thing that kind of irritated me is the, the score at that point in time, too, throughout that. It's just really Intense. off-putting to yeah. me. Well, it's, it was, just, it's it, annoying. Yeah, I, I, I t- it was distracting. It was actually distracting for me, This the yeah. score, where it was like the the mix of the score was like almost at the same level as the dialogue so you yeah. have this like really <laughs> this like pumping score that's like at, at at battling with the dialogue of five people at once and you're just like this is a cacophony a cacophony of just sounds that yeah, is i'm like, being bombarded like can you shut your fucking sense up for just a bit i mean my god I mean, and even even if you do shut the sense up, and everyone's yeah, no one's really yelling anything of consequence. They're just yelling shit. Yeah, it's not like a, it's important dialogue to the to the narrative. They're just yelling at each other. Yeah, I, I also recognize that this this was a very deliberate choice yes. to to make yes. it to make it that way and to to m- m- sort of make you uncomfortable throughout the the whole thing and to sort of feel the stress of this movie. This is a very stressful movie. <laughs> it's a movie that just doesn't stop and con- kind of constantly just keeps you on edge. And I I really enjoyed it over overall. Now, switching gears from the insufferable part, what were the the elements that you said you, that you enjoyed? Pretty much in the second half of this movie. I think I think it does there is a point where it it dies down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Where it's not as much as a cacophony, like you said, like the the score kind of settles into its place and kind of resides in the background enough to like punctuate and not actually you know distract from what's happening. And of course, the dialogue kind of settles in to each person. It's not as much as you know people going absolutely ape shit as soon as you get like five people in the room. And then there's also just the the performances are fantastic. Pretty much everybody, and I mean, even like the 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 the, the the small side characters, like the the two heavies for Arnos, mm-hmm. Arnos heavies. Even, I mean, even, I thought they were fantastic, and they're the this that's first time acting. Yeah, even Ke- even Kevin Garnett, pretty good in this. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean everyone. This is this is clearly a to me at least a career highlight for Adam Sandler. He it's obvious. It is obvious that he needs to do more roles like this. Anytime he's in a role like this that's that's something beyond one of his, you know, Happy Madison style movies, he just crushes it. And he yeah, just but he, you got to be honest though. This isn't all that unlike those you know it's like he's just yelling he's doing his yelling voice right but he's got nicer clothes on and he's got a goatee and he's in a situation that's not ridiculous well it is ridiculous but not really for comedic reasons and i but i think that's the con it's all it's all in the context though like you you give him good material and he flourishes in it like if you look at if you look at punch drunk love in that role, he was he still yelled a lot too. You know his like anger management issues that he had in that movie. He still did his like Adam Sandler kind of freak out stuff in that, but he was so good in it. And I think the same could be said about Uncut Gems, where it's a it's a role that seems specifically designed for him, 
and oh, yeah. it it really helps uh, accentuate his strengths. Yeah. Oh yeah. They know they did a perfect job of that. They know exactly what his strengths are, and they utilize them to a T. I thought I, I thought he was just great in this. I think if if uh, he would ever be considered f- to be like an awards contender, this would be this would be the role for him because I thought he was. He did such a great job, and maybe it's just because I was yearning for another role like this for him. Because I think that pretty much everybody likes Adam Sandler, and they want him to do good movies. And he just doesn't really do good. He does movies that he wants to do. You know, he's at the point in his career where he just wants to work with his friends and have fun, which is totally understandable. But when he, you know, goes outside of his his normal ecosystem and does something like this, it just you're just like, oh yeah, he just—he's really good. Yeah, yes he is. And I completely agree with you. I think everybody else, uh, all the all the performances were really solid. I mean, even the weekend is in who's in this for a little bit. He's even he's fine. Like he's he's pretty good. I think uh, Adina Menzel is really good in this as well. I think that she's another highlight for, for me at yeah. least. And of and of course, really yeah. Yeah, she was. She she does such a great job of playing that that type, that archetype of that role. And I think the, the thing that like fully won me over, at least brought me back over into the the side of like, okay, I'm enjoying this, is when he makes his last stupid decision, mm. which is him being just mm-hmm. he can't stop betting, and they're just locked in that room, and he's watching the game. Because of the the work that between him, what's going on with his character and Arno's character, played by Eric uh, Bogosian, like those two, just what's happening there, like the, the facial acting that Bogosian's doing. Oh yeah, in when, that when, throughout, because he has this like realization of like, okay, this guy really has a fucking problem. Like no one's ever going to be able to help this dude. But then he also has that like that look on his face, like holy shit. He's fucking doing it. <laughs> He's doing it. Yeah, I mean, I loved, I loved when they would cut to uh, Bogosian's face. You know, it was he, they were stuck in that room. It was they were sweaty. It was hot, and he's just staring at him. Like he's just staring at yeah. at uh, Adam and Sandler's character can, Howard. And it's this. There's this mix of just like seething, just being absolutely fucking pissed off at this guy. There's just exhaustion. But there's also this like weird, like he kind of respects him a tiny bit in that moment where he's kind of in awe of him a little bit because of just how deranged and like he doesn't let go. And he just, he's so goddamn optimistic. Mm-hmm. I, I think that this is, uh, first of all, I, I like, I think the Safety brothers are great. And I was really curious to see how, it would work with them having presumably a bigger budget and some bigger names in their movies. I mean, they had Robert Pattinson in their last one. I think he's a pretty big name too, but uh, I, I think that clearly <laughs> they, even though they are giving, they're having like bigger movies under their belt, they're still holding on to their, that very distinct style. And mm-hmm. I think that that, that, you know, grimy, gritty New York style it is something that they just re- that really works well for them. They 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 know how to shoot 
New York, New York grime very well. And I was really curious, like, how how's it going to work with Adam Sandler being put into this environment? Like with Pattinson, it seems like a good fit, you know, because when they had Pattinson, he'd already done a lot of like smaller indie movies and more gritty sort of realistic style of movies. And when they brought on Sandler and they announced that, I was like, is that going to work? Like, because Pattinson, I feel like is a he does a better job of like sort of being a chameleon where... I can separate myself from the actor when I'm watching the movie. You know what I mean? I yeah. I can buy Robert Pattinson as whatever character he's playing. Whereas with Adam Sandler, it's like, I don't, I don't know if I can see anybody but Adam Sandler in this. And is that going to sort of break the immersion? Because the way that the Safdie brothers shoot their movies, you know, they use a lot of handhelds and they make it all feel almost documentary like of like a, sort of a verite style almost. And it, it didn't really affect it for me. I mean, obviously I knew that I was watching Adam Sandler, but just still the the way that they shot, it felt just as gritty and raw as their other films. Yeah. And they still also keep a little bit of the, just the there's not as much, I think, as like their older movies have, but there still is a little bit of this uh, kind of like a magical realism to it where they still do like some unexpected visuals you might not expect mm -hmm. yeah yeah certainly not as much as like heaven knows what this will probably i would say this is probably gonna land on my top 10 i did not find it uh i didn't find the really crazy moments to be too insufferable i thought that if it if they lasted much longer they would start to <laughs> wear on me but it wasn't quite there and i'd say like from the like the recital or the performance or whatever that was the play the musical thing that his daughter's in like from that point on i thought that it calmed down significantly yeah, yeah. Without, without really but it it did but it didn't at the same time like it was still pretty non-stop throughout the whole thing and i just had a blast with this with this movie it's certainly not for everyone but i had a good time with it I think it is interesting, though, like knowing the Safdie brothers and knowing their films and the way that they kind of adhere to the the old like Hollywood code where you kind of know what the ending's going to be before it even arrives there. Mm -hmm. So there was a point in me that was like, uh, are they, are they going to veer off from that? Or are they going to stick to that? And yeah. So I was... <laughs> <laughs> kind of surprised but it wasn't yeah uh they uh you know if you're familiar with their body of work they know that they're not really big on happy endings no they're not they're not real big on the happy endings that's for sure yeah and i will say again like it's talking about all the the small you know side characters big and small everyone does a fantastic job but i was really impressed with keith william richard who plays the the phil Mm -hmm. The guy that's just always going off on Sandler. Yeah. And punching him in the face and whatnot. He was pretty phenomenal. He was. He definitely was. And it it, it, it was kind of interesting to see it in the like correlation with the parasite, with the you know rock and capitalism and everything. Yeah. When it when <laughs> the, I mean the movie the movie opens in uh, the the like the mine when they're like cutting it out and yeah, I, I, that was a that was a big surprise 
yeah, I wasn't expecting them to, you know, start the movie off in Ethiopia. That yeah. was surprising. Kinda I kinda but, dug uh, that. Some people just they just they they want and they want. And then, you know, the bottom guys, they get sick and tired of it. Mm-hmm. 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 So it's weird to me. It's it's tough for me because again, the the second half is what's fresh. So I'm like, yeah, I dug this. But if you were to sit me down and show me the first half again, I'd be like, no, turn turn this shit off. I'm not doing this again. Mm, okay. So I'm like, I'm like trying to mold those two together into something thought wise or rating wise, what have you. Yeah, for me, I I thought it was pretty solid throughout. So. For me, it's I'm sitting at like an eight out of ten on this one. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say like a seven. All right, there you have it, Uncut Gems. This is playing limited release right now, and it opens a wider on Christmas Day. All right, let's dive into our watch lists. I think we, I don't know about you, but I've been just trying to play catch up like crazy. So I've been. Yeah cramming in a lot of a lot of stuff so uh, i think i think i'll start it off with 1917 this is the sam mendez war movie this actually opens on christmas day as well fame i think a lot of people are talking about this where it's uh mostly long single take shots it's there's two like main sections but of course there's several hidden cuts throughout they're not very noticeable though like this this is sort of the problem with these movies where you go into the movie knowing that it's one long single take shot you at least for me i find myself sometimes distracted like thinking about the how they're filming it rather than the movie itself yeah so i i did find myself a few times during this thinking about like, Oh, was that a cut? Did they just, did they just, if that was a cut, that was really good. And you know, like, so that kind of sucks. But at the same time, uh, I, I feel like in this movie, it's not really used as a gimmick. I was a little concerned. I was like, is it, is it going to be, is it going to feel like a gimmick? I don't know. I don't know if it's going to feel like a gimmick, but it, it doesn't. It, really heightens the, the the tension and the suspense of it. So if you're not familiar with what this is about, is uh, it takes place in, in France during World War One, and it is, there's two, two soldiers who are tasked with taking a uh, letter from uh, one area of the front line to another that's like nine miles away, and they basically have to tell this uh, whole platoon to to stop an attack because the Germans set a trap for them. And if they don't get the letter to them in time, then all of these soldiers, like 3,000 soldiers, are going to die. So time is of the essence So these two soldiers. Also, one of the two soldiers, his brother, is in that platoon. So mm-hmm. it's very important that they get this letter to the, to the uh, other platoon as quickly as possible. The problem is it's just two of them, and they have to go through enemy territory to get there. So it's a very dangerous mission as well. For the most part, I thought it was really incredible. Uh, obviously, like 
the, the technical aspects of it are pretty out of control. Frankly, I don't know how they captured a lot of it. I did look up the type of camera they used and they used an, uh, an Ari Alexa camera. That's like super tiny. It's like a, I mean, for like, you know, big digital camera standards, it's a relatively small camera. So I imagine that helped them with like the portability of it, but it it's pretty incredible. Like the sets are very intricate. You know, world war one was there. It was all about trench warfare. So you have these like labyrinth trenches that they go through. And there's a lot of really, uh, impressive set pieces in this as well. Roger Deakins did the cinematography, so it looks gorgeous as you might expect. It did lose me a little bit towards the latter half, uh, but it picked back up then near the finale. So 1917, mm. definitely recommend checking that out. Uh, I watched Atlantics, Matty D up. Finally got another one, finally get off my list. I think it's been on that for three years. <laughs> Anticipated. Uh, this is on Netflix. You can watch it on Netflix there, which is just wild to me that, you know, I've waited, I don't know how many years for Maddie D up feature length. And it's so difficult to come by her short films. And then her feature length just, it's, it's on Netflix right there. You can watch it. It's just bizarre. But uh, this is pretty phenomenal. It's a, it's a love story. And honestly, if I honestly feel like if this was in the hands of anyone else, it's silly as fuck. It would be, it would just come off being silly. Cause it's like a ghost story, but a ghost love story, right? But the way in which she handles it and goes through it is just it's pretty, uh, it's pretty impressive. Because honestly, if you look at it on paper, it's, she is this young woman out of 17. She's set to be married off to a you know a rich guy, but she's in love with this young construction worker. This these this young construction worker and all of his buddies they're working on this huge project, this you know multi-million dollar uh, high rise that they're putting up, but they're not getting paid. So they say fuck it one night. They go out to see to try and go somewhere better, find something better. She doesn't want to get married, all that. Well, fever starts going through find out that people on the boat died and, you know, ghosts come back and all this. And it's just, honestly, again, if you think about it, if it's done by anyone else, it would just be absolutely ridiculous. But he or she makes it, like, it's very tragic, it's beautiful, it's haunting at the same time. Uh, the cinematography is phenomenal because it has this, you know, this magical... Uh, realism elements to it and you're just never quite sure which way it's going to go I like I can't recommend it enough what's hmm. the wait nice and that's Atlantics and that's available on Netflix right now I I, I think that this is going to be on a, a lot of top 10 lists at the end of the year a lot of people are talking about this one yeah uh, I saw keeping with the war theme I saw Hidden Life uh, directed by Terrence Malick. This is one that I was pretty, I, I was somewhat interested in it. I was like, you know what? It, it's Malick. I'll give it a shot. I'm, I'm not, I don't really know too much about it, but the trailer looked incredible. So 
I, I had to find the right opportunity because it's 173 minutes long. So it's, it's, it's a big one. It's an epic one. You gotta, you gotta sit down, you gotta invest in this one. And, uh, so I watched it last night actually, and it's fantastic. Like it, it is probably, I would say it's certainly his best since, uh, tree of life i think i like this more than tree of life okay it's visually it is stunning it is so i mean every shot like every shot just just do a still just a just a still grab of that put it up on your wall you're done decorated your house with the hidden life stills it's just so gorgeous this movie it takes place in austria near the uh near the latter part of the war i believe it starts in 1943 and it's about it tells the true story of uh a an austrian farmer who refuses to swear an oath for hitler and he because he refuses to pledge allegiance to to hitler he gets thrown in prison and getting gets separated from his family and his family and it sort of cuts back and forth to him in prison dealing with what it's like in prison and then his wife and their three daughters and what life is like back in their small village they live in this really quaint village where it's like sort of it almost looks like they're in they're sort of like in this middle class area like it doesn't look like it's not like a like a poor village or anything like their house is very nice, but they become ostracized when the, all the townspeople find out that he didn't swear his allegiance and all of this, they turn on them and they are really just harsh to the whole family. Like they're spitting on them, throwing stuff at them, stealing from them. Mm -hmm. It's pretty horrible what they're going through. And, uh, it's, that's, pretty much the gist of the the film august deal plays the the lead he's pretty incredible and valerie peckner plays his wife and she's she's pretty good too she doesn't have a lot of dialogue in fact there's not a lot of dialogue at all in this movie you know it's your it's your standard malik fair there's a lot of voiceover so you have a lot of that kind of introspective stuff going on a lot of uh you know shots of people looking out of windows longingly people running through fields and whatnot. It's it's very, very Malick. <laughs> when you see this, you're just like, yep, that's him. What I liked about it was, and not only uh, was the, the uh, all the locations are just incredible, the, the camera work, it's all done in this like sort of handheld, not all, a lot of it is done in this sort of handheld, style where it's just swooping just swooping around everywhere like the camera's moving everywhere and it's like zooming into going into people's faces and it's just all over the place and like like there's a scene where they're they're baking bread and like the smoke is fogging up the camera and i mean it's it's just a really really incredible camera work in this as well so i can recommend a hidden life it is quite good it's just man that runtime is unfortunate. And there's a lot. I mean, I hate to say this about any movie, but like there's just so much that they could have 
cut out of this. Well, yeah, it's, I mean, it's Malick. Every Malick movie has so much to keep in around. It's there's so mm-hmm. much, just so much stuff that they could have removed, and it would have had the exact same tone. Uh, they, uh, they, he also sort of stitches in footage, actual footage, like black and white footage of the war and stuff, and and. <sighs> I, don't, I, don't, I mean, maybe some of that was okay, but yeah, that's the only that's the only nitpick I have. It's just that it's it's too long. Well, I got a short one, seventy five minutes in and out, done, easy breezy. That's August had a Kikos. This is streaming on Amazon Prime. You can watch it on there now. I've heard pretty good things about this. Decided to give it a look, and oh boy, I don't know if it was just the the current place that I found myself, this hit the spot, just zeroed in on the spot, and then just fucking bullseyed it and hit it. It just itself great. So it's just there's this musician, Alex Chang, Tai, who goes back to Hawaii. He plays the saxophone. He's a sax guy, right? Oh yeah. So right there, connection. And he goes back to Hawaii. He's looking for like his grandparents' place. He can't find it. It's being built over. So he doesn't really know what to do. He hasn't been in Hawaii in a long time. So he he remembers that his mom told him to go to, to Kikos. It's this kind of like bed and breakfast, like Buddhist temple retreat type deal. So he goes there and decides to stay for, you know, and he's not sure how long he's going to stay. But he, you know, gets a room for a couple of days. And then it's just kind of him like on this journey with the help of a Kiko of kind of getting back in touch with Hawaii as a place, as his birthplace, as, you know, as his culture. And so it's kind of like this mix of documentary slash fiction, so, you know, the hybrid type deal, uh, but you can't really tell. And it's got great music in it. Like he plays like kind of throughout when you pick up the saxophone, he kind of does some like experimental jazz stuff, but it works really, really great. It kind of gives it, because not only is this is overwhelming beauty to the movie, but there is this kind of undercurrent of disquiet, which kind of comes out in a saxophone playing. And they do, you know, some, they'll detour and do some experimental stuff where there's a lot of like uh, superimposing images of him kind of like going through this trans- transformation, you know, finding himself or whatever. But uh, if you got 75 minutes and you got Amazon Prime, I would say definitely check it out. It, I mean, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, that's August at Akiko's. I saw The Farewell. I know you talked about this a few weeks back. It was a while ago. Yeah. It was a month, maybe more than a month ago. I don't even know. Decades. If I remember correctly, you enjoyed it for the most part, it's right? It's a good movie. Yeah. yeah. It's a good movie. I, I also enjoyed it very much. This is directed by Lulu Wang. If you're not familiar with it, it's uh, about a a Chinese-American woman who goes back to China when she learns that her grandmother has been given a, a very short amount of time to live. She has lung cancer, and the family decides to hide it from her because apparently that's just a normal thing to do in China where they, rather, yeah. than, rather than tell their family member that they're dying, they... You know, treat them great and make sure that they're happy and have a great time until the very, very end. And then they tell them. Yeah. 
would you be there's that scene with the, the brothers or whatever and they kind of explain it to her which I thought was a pretty great scene about like mm-hmm. if, if you tell her you know she has to bear the brunt of it right and if you don't then we do yeah and and you know that because it, it's I think that that's a really important scene because up until that point you're just like mm, this is kind of shitty like they shouldn't they shouldn't hide that from her but then after they explain it and you see that and the 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 pain the pain that the family is feeling because of this it's like I, I kind of understand it like I kind of yeah, get it no, now. yeah so it's it's funny in a lot of parts it's not nearly as sad as I expected it to be I thought it was gonna be pretty heavy but it's yeah. surprisingly no, it's surprisingly light performances across the board are pretty phenomenal aquafina is great in it and then the pretty much the whole the whole cast the guy who plays the uncle when he has that scene where he starts to like cry i thought that that was a really powerful scene mm-hmm. solid movie uh, overall i i really i was really surprised i didn't think i would enjoy it as much as i did and i ended up really kind of loving it that's the farewell I saw one that you also saw, and it's also an A24 movie, which is The Last Black Man in San Francisco. Oh. Yeah. Which I kind of thought that this one, you know, I had a feeling that it's going to be like, ah. Just, it, the, the trailer to it made it look good, but it also made it look like it was trying too hard. But at the same time, it turns out I enjoyed this quite a bit. And I think what really helped it was the performances. I think Jimmy Fallon. Is a phenomenal gentleman, same as Jonathan Majors. Rob Morgan, I could have, I could have used some more of them. I really like Rob Morgan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, this is pretty good. I like the the like the the, the structure of it. Kind of has this, you know, the Greek play type feel to it. Um, it does seem to get a little kind of gets detoured occasionally with like, oh, let's do slow motion stuff. It's just like, all right, cast focus. Bring it back in. But, I, yeah, overall, I got to say I was pretty surprised by this one. I actually ended up enjoying this one quite a bit. Also, Amazon Prime free if you have it. Oh, check it out Jump there. On that. Yeah, yeah, I love this movie. Loved it. This will probably be like, I think during our mid-year top tens, this was number one for me. Okay, I can see it. And it's it's still going to be up there. It's not going to be number one at this point. I don't I don't think, but it'll still probably still be in my top, definitely top ten, maybe even top five. All right, all right. Uh, I saw a few that were not so good. Actually, you know what? I'll, I'll mention another one that I actually quite enjoyed, which is Doctor Sleep. This one I was a little hesitant about. This is directed by Mike Flanagan. Now, the reason that I even bothered with this at all is because it was directed by Mike Flanagan. I'm a big fan of his work. For the most part, a lot of people uh, really loved Absentia, which was like his debut feature. And I was not a fan of that at all. But pretty much everything else that he's done, I was not a big fan of Before I Wake either. But everything else, pretty much loved. Doctor Sleep, sequel to The Shining, based on the Stephen King book. I didn't really know what to expect going into this. You have Ewan McGregor. As uh, Danny Torrance, I had a blast with this movie. It's really, really good. And Mike Flanagan just yesterday on Twitter said that the the Blu-ray version is going to have the 
theatrical cut and the director's cut. And so I'm really excited to see what the director's cut entails. I think you would probably even enjoy this, Kevin, as uh, a fan of what was that? The, this Netflix series, The Haunting of Hill House. Mm-hmm. You you liked that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It, it it definitely has shades of that in in this. Uh, I ended up liking it a lot more than I thought. Ewan McGregor, as an adult, Dan Torrance, it's all he, like he's an alcoholic. He's he's struggling with addiction problems and mostly stemming from the trauma the trauma that he sustained as a child, and it goes to some really interesting places and I, I thought it was quite quite good quite good so i can recommend checking out dr sleep don't think it'll land on my top 10 or anything but still still yeah. a solid one nonetheless i will i i'm done all right i'll um mention a couple other ones very briefly here I saw Bombshell. This is the Fox News one with directed by Jay Roach. Basically, this just feels like the, an Adam McKay movie. The pretty much same style where it's that kind of fourth wall breaking political comedy that uh, doesn't necessarily work. I thought that the 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 three leads in this, you have Charlize Theron, Nicole Kidman, and Margot Robbie. They all did a great job but overall oh and john lithgow playing um fucking what's the name roger ailes you know they 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 all did a serviceable job it's just like i didn't find the movie to be very compelling at all and i found it to be kind of uh kind of messy kind of messy a little sloppy on this one not a, not a fan not a fan of that uh i the same could be said about dark waters this is the todd haynes one about the the DuPont nastiness that uh, they did throughout the sixties and into the, I, I, can't, I can't remember early two thousands. I would say they did that shit for years and covered it all up. Anyway, this is the one with Mark Ruffalo. Uh, not really into this one either. It's such an interesting topic. And I think that it's an important topic. I think everybody should know that DuPont literally poisoned every living creature on the face of the earth. Yeah. That's very important to know. And somehow, even though this is a really crazy story about this lawyer, he's a, a corporate defense attorney. He he works for energy companies. How he went against DuPont and took them on over the over the course of many, many years. I mean, this is like this took forever, this this case. And they somehow made this movie to very dull like it's just a dull ass movie and i wasn't too uh too into it i would love to see them make a documentary about this i think a documentary would be more informative and just uh, it would use the information and i think in a better way to just turn it into a doc yeah the last one that i'll mention is star wars the rise of skywalker I was not a big fan of this. I'm sort of a, a lapsed Star Wars fan. When I was younger, I used to be obsessed with Star Wars. I loved everything Star Wars. Since I got older, I still see all the movies and stuff, and I still like the Star Wars universe. I'm just not a 
you know, one of these crazy diehard fans of the series. I thought that this one was very sloppy. The a lot of the things that happen in it just seem to be them saying, like J.J. Abrams saying, fans, hey fans, we're listening to you. We know that you didn't like this one thing in the last one, so we're going to fix that. So everything in the movie felt like it was just fixing things that, to me, weren't really broken to begin with. And it everything felt rushed, like they were just trying to get this over with. Like they're just trying to close this story out be done with it done with this skywalker shit and i i there were a number of things i did like about it there were a couple action scenes that were really fun and there were some funny moments but overall i thought that it was the weakest of the the three the new trilogy that you know the recent trilogy Mm -hmm. i think it was still way way better than you know the prequel trilogy i think that it it ended in a semi-fitting way although there were some kind of baffling decisions that they made towards the end to to close out the, the the whole saga if you will to me it's like i would just recommend seeing the mandalorian just watch the mandalorian because i think that that show is so incredible one thing that i don't i don't know i'm i don't keep up with like star wars chatter on twitter or anything because i find it to be <laughs> kind of toxic for the most part I don't know if people are talking about The Mandalorian, uh, the effects work that's done on that show, but holy shit, is it good. It's almost all practical. And I don't know if that if it's not getting recognition, it should be, because they could have taken the easy way out and just made everything CG in that show and probably saved a lot of money, but they, they didn't. It's almost all practical. Like They use puppets, they use people in costumes, they build shit, you know, and it looks so good. It's like every week it's a movie. The other thing I like about that show is that the episodes are only like half an hour long. So they're like 35 minutes. I think the very first episode might be 45 minutes. And they're all, there is an overarching story. However, almost every episode is sort of self-contained and has its own characters in it that, that sort of are there just for that one episode. And also the the directors that they have chosen to work on some of these episodes are really interesting. They get some really cool directors, notably uh, Rick Famuia, the guy who did Dope. Oh yeah, yeah. He he did a f- a few episodes. I'm not sure how many. And the the cameos that they're getting, it's almost all comedic. Cameos. So you have like Taika Watiti's in there, Richard Aote, Bill Burr, Amy Sedaris, Nick Nolte, tons of these really great cameos. Uh, Horatio Sands is in an episode. Werner Herzog, of course, is he plays the bad guy. Carl Weathers is in there. So you have this really incredible cast. And I know I started talking about the new Star Wars movie with this and quickly transition to the Mandalorian, but I just find the Mandalorian to be so much more enjoyable than that movie was. Just watch the Mandalorian. Jesus. Yeah. What are you doing? Get on it. Here's what you do. You wait until the whole season is done. I don't know how many episodes there are going to be. Sign up for a trial of Disney plus just binge the whole, binge the whole thing. Dump the trial. If you no longer want Disney plus. 
That's it. Mm. All right, let's take a look at what we have in theaters this week. On Christmas Day, we have Spies in Disguise. This is the animated mm. animated mm-hmm. one. You know, it's funny. Uh, so we had to have our nominations in for the Online Film Critics Society Awards. And as I was submitting my nominations, I realized that I didn't even see five animated movies in 2019. Because you have really? to, yeah, you start off with five nominations, right? Each for specific categories, you you start off with five. And I'm like, okay, what animated movies did I see? And I'm like, Tux and Fanny, Toy Story 4, Missing Link, and that's it. Those are the only three animated <laughs> movies I saw this year. Nice. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's just that I didn't see a lot or there weren't that many or there weren't that many that looked any good. Yeah, I can't I can't really think of any I can think of one more. Well, there's the dragons. How to train your dragon. Yeah, that doesn't exist. That doesn't exist. We point over that <laughs> Yeah. Um, and then there was that abominable one that and looks bad. That, uh, the the French one I lost Yeah. I lost my body. I, yeah. I did yeah, I did want to see that one about the hand. Good. I was I might try to squeeze that in before the end of the year. Anyway, we also have Little Women coming out. This is the Greta Gerwig directed mm-hmm. uh, adaptation. What do you think about this? Are you interested in this? Uh, slightly. Not super excited. I won't say. Yeah, it's. A, I'm a little. I'm a little iffy on it too. I mean, I. I'm not a huge fan of the Little Women story, but I'm also. A, I am a big fan of Greta Gerwig as well as most of the cast of this movie. So. I th- I think I'm gonna try to give it a shot. Yeah, and I might end up yeah. loving it. Who knows? Uh, we got uncut gems coming out. We got 1917 coming out. This is the Sam Mendes one. We got Just Mercy coming out. This is the uh, the one with um, Destin Daniel Cretton directed one with Michael B. Jordan and Jamie Fox, Brie Larson. Wait, he's the guy that directed that. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Wow. Yeah. Wow. Short term 12. Come back yeah. at you. I was just thinking about short term 12 the other day. Not a good movie. I liked it. I remember, I remember I, thinking it was okay. I did not. I think you might have liked it, actually. I did like it? I think you thought it was okay. Well, yeah. I probably thought it was okay. But now, if you ask me, I don't. I barely. I mean, things change. Things change every uh, time, Adam. Of course. Of course. I barely remember anything about that movie i'm looking up right fuck now i just remember a shit ton of people being in it that weren't that big at the time okay, right. three, three and a half stars all right <laughs> yeah so you 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 did like it i remember we did I, we reviewed it on the show i remember okay i stand corrected on the friday the 27th we have clemency this is one with uh alfrey woodard she plays a uh uh warden and she's her it's her job to put prisoners to death and it's it's getting to her. Hmm. Job's taking its toll. I can imagine. Alright, same. I'm gonna try to check this out before the end of the year also. Cause it looks pretty good. Yes. Uh that's it for theaters. Let's see what we have on VOD. Uh probably not a whole lot. Mm, nothing. Got nothing on VOD. Yeah, 
Blu-ray, pretty much the same. We've got a couple things here. Judy is coming out and a movie called After Party. The Kill Team, which I wasn't a big fan of. Adopt a Highway, that's the one with Ethan Hawke. And that's it. Oh, I'm sorry. The Gallows Act 2 comes out also. Gotcha. That's all we got. I, I, think mm-hmm. I, I think I already know the answer about the Criterions. None. None. Yeah. Absolutely nothing. Yeah, they're getting getting out of the way of that Christmas time thing. That's right. All right, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And if you have a minute, consider reviewing us on your podcast platform of choice. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name is Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.